my name is Omar. I am your host uh, from uh, Vancouver, Canada, and we have uh, Mr. Michael Feely joining us from London, England. Uh, welcome, Mike. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us here on the uh, Watchers Talk Network, and uh, welcome. Thank you very much, Omar, and again, thank thank you very much for hosting this this stream. Uh, it's is obviously as a result of, of intense problems on Sunday evening when I attempted to. Uh, give the same lecture on Sunday evening. There was there was lots and lots of opposition against this information coming out. So thank you for stepping in and, and, and housing this for me. What I what I like to do in these these conferences or lectures or, or talks is speak about the whole of the ancient world. And when I talk about certain sections of the ancient world, it may seemingly seem as if it's lots and lots of different subjects. That have rolled into one but the reason that i do roll everything into one is because all of these ancient cultures have actually left us one singular message that singular message is all about the enlightened consciousness of self so when i when i sort of uh, get through the introduction about me at the moment and i start talking about the bible and biblical characters and i take you all the way through the ancient world easter island atlantis uh, and many myths and legends and then at the end to ancient Egypt and the, the real purpose of the pyramids and some of the, the sacred messages that the Egyptians have actually left us in within their metaphorical gods and, and within their monuments. It may seem like it is lots and lots of different subjects, but as I say, it's actually one individual subject. And I call it the ancient code because the a, a blueprint that I've managed to decipher and piece together tells us of that one message and the people who are behind the scenes, who are behind these brotherhoods and this esoteric hidden information, have obviously spread that information esoterically and occult and hidden throughout of the ancient world. So for those who basically don't don't know me, uh, my, my background is in 17 years of law enforcement in England's two biggest and major cities. And my, my background is in evidence gathering information and basically evidence that got me to be classed as an expert witness in any court in the uk it trained me to investigate and spot evidence and piece that evidence together and it enabled me to recognize what was called a modus operandi which basically just means a method and by that you can turn up to a certain crime scene uh, and by the way in which it's been perpetrated, a lot of the time you could actually know who had actually committed that crime because it was following their particular modus operandi, their particular method. You can go to a burglary and, as I say, you can often realise who, who the suspect is based on the way in which they entered the house, uh, the methodical way in which they'd search rooms. It's, the, it's the, basically the modus operandi, the method. That it's put me in good stead because the modus operandi of the world elites who rule this planet, who keep this information away from the person, have that same modus operandi and they have the same method of that encryption, of that symbology. So that really is my uh, a brief introduction into me. I left that law enforcement career in, in 2009 simply because I was experiencing a lot of paranormal things at that particular time. I'd been asked by a girl who'd been murdered in the year 1850 
which was 159 years prior to being asked to investigate her murder. Uh, I was shown the last moments of her life one morning at 3.30 on the 9th of February 2009, which is a date that I will never ever forget. From that point, I begin to see lots and lots of what you would deem UFOs craft in the sky uh, of all different shapes and sizes, both in daylight and at night. Uh, it could be cigar shapes, it could be uh, dimensional gateways opening up in the sky, wormholes, craft emanating, and then the wormhole would close up and the craft would transit across the sky. I've been invited to certain locations telepathically. I've even uh, seen the, the spirit and the ghost of King Charles I, who was the king ahead of the Cavaliers during the English Civil War. I've uh, seen extraterrestrial beings face to face. And there's all these things that were happening around about 2009 that changed my complete ethos on life and what reality is. So I went from a standard job to what you would deem sort of experiencing the many different aspects of, of multiple realities. Uh, I kept getting shown Golden Key in 2009, and that Golden Key was the Gnostic key of knowledge because the ancient Gnostics believed that knowledge was a privilege, not a general right. And only the people who were chosen to receive that knowledge would come into this kind of esoteric information I'm going to show you this evening. So that really, in a nutshell, is a little bit about my, my background and why now I, I do these kind of lectures. It is my belief that knowledge is for everyone. Uh, it is not my belief that the knowledge should be kept secretly away from everybody else. I've had many, many private messages and many private attempts for these brotherhoods, these Masonic brotherhoods, the Illuminati have asked me many times to join their secret brotherhoods, which I've declined and I've refused to do, because I believe that, that knowledge should be out there in the public domain. So, it all basically stems from the elites of the world who believe in, in their ethos, in their belief system, that Prometheus, who was a mythical character, actually stole the fire from the gods and gave it to the elites of planet Earth. The fire is basically the knowledge, the enlightenment, the information, and they believe that it is given to them, it is their possession, and they have the right to keep that away from everybody else on the planet. What they did in order to hide this secret information is they created this system whereby you know, we have the public levels of religion, we have different public levels of teaching and understanding, and because people believe that they've actually found their truth, they stop looking. They believe in the, in the mythical uh, physical Jesus, the mythical Mary Magdalene, all these mythical biblical characters which I will itemise in just a moment. Because they believe that they found the truth, they stop looking for that truth, and that is, the, that is a very, very good way in which esoterically the information is kept away from people. So, I'm going to take you now through the ancient world, through the Bible, through different other ancient cultures, and, and then I'm going to get to ancient Egypt and give you some secrets that are not known, or they're basically not widely talked about or understood. So, okay, so in relation to the Bible, the likes of Adam and Eve... The Bible, as with all the ancient monuments, as with ancient Egypt, we're really talking about enlightenment and human consciousness. What is meant by consciousness 
is simply an awareness, a spiritual awareness, which is a greater awareness than the average person will have. And at the end of this talk, your awareness will be higher than it was before this talk. So basically, you have an expanded consciousness. And it's all about the same ancient message. So the likes of Adam and Eve, it's really talking about genetics of the human body and how those genetics transform us to a higher state of being. So Adam and Eve, Adam is really the atom, the uh, basically the single atom, whereby if you extract an electron from an atom, you create another atom. Exchanging The exchanging of the electrons is basically nuclear fission. That is Eve. That is Eve that is created from Adam, from the atom. Now, the old Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden, the word Eden means life. It is talking about the human body where the atom and the electrons actually exist. And they existed basically uh, in the east of Eden. And the reason they lived in the east of Eden is because the east of Eden is the right brain, which is the greater consciousness, the greater awareness. And when Adam and Eve became naked, that is symbolic of them becoming self-aware, self-evident, aware of their self. The, the tree, inside the brain, we have the vitae, which means the tree of life. And that deals uh, a lot of with, with the brain's functions. It's basically the sensory input and output. It's a gateway to self. And the, the, the whole story of the serpent is really Kundalini awakening, that uh, serpent energy that lives at the base of the spine until it's activated by certain rituals. That is the serpent of Eden. Now, the apple, the apple is an allegory for consciousness. And if you get an apple and you slice it widthways, it reveals inside the center, at the core, it reveals the shape of the pentagram. The pentagram is the fifth element. It is the ether. It is the symbology of the number five, which is realized man, the pentagram. That is the whole story of the, the apple. It is the forbidden fruit, and for, forbidden means to deny access to a place. What the story is really telling us is that the ruling elites are denying us access to our own self-knowledge of self, which is Gnostic, knowledge of the divine or divine knowledge, which is the self. So that really, in a nutshell, is all to do with the Adam, the Atom, and the Even uh, story in the Bible in Eden, which is, which is the human body. And then if we move on to the likes of Moses, Moses means drawn from the water. And again, that is talking about the inner workings of the human body. He's talking about Moses on top of Mount Sinai. And the mountain is symbolic of a higher state of awareness through third eye experience. And that then brings us to what is the burning bush. The burning bush is basically the pineal gland that is activated by the fire of the Kundalini serpent energy. It is the Mozilla Firefox in modern day computer terms. It is the awakened awareness, Moses on top of Mount Sinai, being awakened consciously. And of course, get to the likes of the, the story of the Egyptian army being crushed in the Red Sea. If you look at Moses and we look at Osmosis, Osmosis is basically the separation of the water. And that is all to do with the process of molecules entering through a membrane 
and a membrane controls the, the, the what, what substance goes in and goes out of certain parts of the body. This is basically the Red Sea, which is the, the human body, which is the blood. The blood of the human body is the Red Sea. That is the Red Sea crushing the Egyptian army. It is basically the membrane controlling the molecules that are going in and out of certain parts of the body, the osmosis, the Moses. And that osmosis, the energetic osmosis, is the fluctuation of fluids until there is a balance. The balance inside the mind, as it be anywhere in the body, creates equilibrium, which creates a consciousness fusion. But when I get to Egypt a little bit later on with the the likes of the death Carmoon, where he has the two serpents on the third eye, that is all to do with the, the positive and negative serpents balancing and meeting at the sixth chakra of the third eye to create equilibrium, to create consciousness. That is really, again, the story of Moses. And when he comes down with the Ten Commandments, the number ten is the first number of divine balance. It's also the number of the divine androgyny, which is the, the chemical marriage, the equilibrium and the balance of the masculine and feminine of duality into a balanced state. So that really, in a nutshell, again, a bite-sized version of, of, of the story of Moses. When we move on to the likes of Noah, Noah in Hebrew comes from two, two letters, Nun-Chet. Nun-Chet means life in the waters. And the waters are the human creational waters uh, fertility. And the Noah's Ark is basically the human body that protects human life, which is the sperm and the ovum inside which is the human body and there's many many sort of different facets to the Noah story that again uh, enforces that as a fact that some of these things that I don't have time to go into into great detail this evening but in a nutshell Noah is basically the the life in the waters which is the human body the sperm and the album creating new life and then we move on to probably the most famous person to have ever supposedly lived which is Jesus Christ. So, who is Jesus Christ? When we look at the post-resurrected Christ, we then get into the into the heavenly uh, zodiac, and we get into the heavenly solar sun, which is the heavenly Christ. And the twelve signs of the zodiac are the twelve heavenly disciples of Christ. But what I'm going to deal with tonight is the the earthly Christ, which is again all to do with fertility, consciousness and the way in which we achieve that consciousness. Jesus Christ is really talking about male fertility. It's talking about the only begotten son. Now, begotten means monogene, which means one gene, only one, because Jesus Christ is male sperm. Sperm means seed, and saviour means he who sows the seed. The sperm is oiled, which means anointed by male semen. And that is basically Christ being anointed. Christ is human sperm. That sperm So therefore the Christ seed, the Christos seed, the anointed one, is born in a manger in Bethlehem, surrounded 
on each side of that manger by Mary and Joseph, which is the Ida and the Pingala nerve of the human body, which takes us from the pituitary and the pineal gland, the two positive serpents, well, positive and negative serpents of the body, that is Mary and Joseph that, that circle the manger. Now, through certain practices, through certain rituals, one of them being sexual sublimation, which is the retention of sexual energy, which is diverted to the brain. Some people call it celibacy. We refine 10%, which is where we get tithing, and that 10% is refined and reused by the cells. To reuse means to resurrect. It is the resurrection of the Christ. So that Christ seed, the Christ seed, through Kundalini awakening, which is the, the, the two lower chakras are now in the Sodom and Gomorrah, which are destroyed by the fire. So the, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed by fire. That Christ seed, through that resurrection, and that going to heaven, goes up the body, up the human body, up Jacob's ladder, which is the human spine, and it goes through what is known as the optic chasism, which is situated round about where my fingers are, are now. Optic chasism means chamber of light. The Greeks called it the crossing or the cross. So the Christ seed, through sexual sublimation, is crucified, and crucified means to subdue one's appetite, which then takes us full circle to celibacy. You are subduing your sexual appetite. That Christ seed is crucified at the cross, at the crossing. It then goes into the cerebellum, which is known as the tomb, and it goes in the cerebellum for three days because it takes three days for the subconscious mind to cleanse in order to Therefore, we have in the tomb for three days, dead for three days. Obviously, the night before this, we have the last supper. Supper comes from soup, which means to enhance. So we're really talking about the enhancement of this Christ consciousness energy within us. And Christ sits at the table in with his 12 disciples. In earthly terms, the table is the mensa, is the mind, and the 12 earthly disciples are the 12 cranial nerves of the brain, the 12 messengers of the brain, and they basically sit in the mind. So this Christ seed, going back to, to the Christ seed, which all of this is happening in the temple of God inside the head in Golgotha, the place of skulls, which is the human head, and this Christ seed is then resurrected. We are using this energy again. But that resurrection is witnessed by Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is the amygdala of the brain, situated close to the cerebellum. Therefore, she or it would be the best to witness the resurrection of this Christ seed post-resurrection. And the amygdala deals with different functions of the brain. One of them is sexual uh, appetite, libido, which is why Mary Magdalene is, is, is seen as the prostitute in certain male-dominated religions. So again, in a nutshell, we have Jesus Christ, which is basically the, the, the male sperm fertility, which is the creation of life, the only begotten, the only monogene, the one sperm that fertilizes the album, the fishes of the sea. And obviously the sign of Christianity is the fish. And Jesus was the fisher or the fish of man. The fish of man is male sperm, the saviour, the anointed one. So that really is the, the essence of the Christ uh, consciousness. So why did Jesus die aged 33 in the year AD? Because 
33 is a power number that is important because 33 hertz is the frequency of Christ consciousness. And just to show you how important 33 is in, in other aspects of, of society and life, there are 33 vertebrae of the spine, which leads us to Atlantis, which I'll go into in just a moment. There are 33 degrees of masonry. There are uh, the, the launch pad of NASA is launch pad number 33. The, the word Amen relates to the, word, to, to the number 33. We also have the likes of the Ku Klux Klan. K is the 11th letter of the alphabet, so we have 11, 11, 11, which is 33. We have all of these references to the number 33. Human DNA, there are 33 turns of, of, of the DNA strands to complete a complete sequence of human genetics. It's that number 33 which is important, the 33 hertz of the Christ consciousness. So again, that really is, there are many different examples in, in the Bible of this story. You know, you look at Cain and Abel, and you have Cain, who is the ego, the lower nature. You have Abel, who is the, the, the higher nature. It is the Armageddon within. It is the battle between the lower and the higher of our nature, of our, our two consciousness. And that really is, is the Bible in a nutshell. The Bible and its characters are metaphors for human enlightenment and human consciousness. But that has been masked, that has been covered up by the public levels of religion that we see in the churches and, and synagogues and all of these different religious buildings. They are purely being taught a superficial level to keep them off the scent. We'll then move on to the likes of Easter Island, which again is in another part of the, of, of the world. But again, it has the same... When you look at Easter Island, there are a thousand heads that face east. Now, east, and it's the reason why the Sphinx of Egypt faces east. It's also the reason why the mummies of Egypt face east. East in cardinal points is the direction of illum uh, illumination and enlightenment, which is obviously where the sun rises in the east. That is why all the heads of Easter Island also face east. They are 33 feet in height. Ironically, we go straight back to 33 hertz, Christ consciousness. The, the heads of Easter Island, not just heads, they do have a body. And when uh, the, the full statues are exposed, you will see that the hands of these statues face, uh, point towards what is the navel chakra. The navel chakra is inner transformation. So again, we're talking about that inner consciousness. The, the, the statues themselves what is known as negative green transmitters transmitters of radio waves to the higher realms of higher consciousness and they were taking all of earth's energies and they were transmuting it into electromagnetic beams of consciousness and that really is again the heads of easter island it is all to do with radio waves signals higher consciousness and even the word maui which is the tribe of easter island means to listen so again we're going back to that awareness and that consciousness Going back to what I said uh, about 10 minutes ago about the 33rd vertebrae of the spine and then that moves us nicely onto Atlantis and Lemuria which again also has Egyptian connotations but Atlantis means the island of Atlas Atlas is the name medically of the 33rd vertebrae of the spine so we have the top vertebrae of the spine which holds up the mind which is Atlas 
holding up the world, this holding up consciousness. And when you look at the work of the likes of Plato, uh, he, he, he tells you that Atlantis is the island that rules seven. What he means by that is the pineal gland is the master gland of the body. It is the sixth chakra. It is the master gland. That pineal gland is situated between the left and the right hemisphere of the brain, surrounded by the cerebrospinal fluids of the brain. It is therefore an island. Because the pineal gland is the master gland that rules the seven chakras, that is the island that rules the seven islands. It is talking about the pineal gland. Atlantis is human consciousness. It is the pineal gland of human consciousness. And when we look at the seven daughters of At 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 Atlas, dancing around the tree, uh, and we're talking about the Temple of Poseidon, which again is the Temple of the Head. The seven daughters of Atlas are the seven chakras dancing around the tree, the spine of the body, which again is the Guardian of Eden as well. So we have Atlantic pineal gland, and then we go to Lemuria, which comes from Queen Mu, and Queen Mu is the goddess Isis, which, who is known by many, many other different names, Asit, all, all kinds of different names, but I will refer to it as Isis. That is Queen Mu. That Mu is the Mayan equivalent of the Egyptian goddess Isis. Now, as you'll see when I get to the Egyptian section, Isis is a metaphor for the pituitary gland. And we have the pineal gland, which is Osiris, the god Osiris. We have the pituitary gland, which is the goddess Isis. So we have Atlantis and Lemuria, which is the masculine and feminine aspect of consciousness. Those are the fireboard lands. When we, when we operate from a higher consciousness, we are walking amongst the masters of Atlantis, as the legend tells us, because we are operating in a higher realm of consciousness. So that, I think, again, in a nutshell, deals with Atlantis and Lemuria. And then I shall move on briefly to Stonehenge, which is a very, very popular site. But what Stonehenge is, again, is a, a power station to achieve consciousness. And we have Stonehenge, which is a concentric circle, which is the bullseye of Atlantis, which, again, the bullseye is the pineal gland, the concentric circle, the primary halo that harnesses Earth's arterial energies, ley line energy, and it transmutes that into a consciousness machine. Stonehenge was built with Presley Bluestones. Presley Bluestones have seven bands of energy. They connect to the seven chakras of the body. They balance them. They cleanse them. It's what Christ said clearly in the seven unclean spirits. That is unblocking the seven chakras in order for that consciousness to raise up Jacob's ladder. The, that is basically Stonehenge is consciousness. Some of the circles initially were made into an oval shape. The oval shape is basically the cosmic egg, which is the thalamus inside the mind, which is Horus in the Egyptian symboli. Uh, gods is Horus, which again I'll go into a little bit later. But it's, that is the, the thalamus, uh, and that is all inside the brain. So even Stonehenge is a consciousness enhancing machine and using and absorbing these Earth's energies through the crystalline monoliths that are the, the, the rocks and the stones of Stonehenge. And again, when we go over to the likes of Quetzalcoatl in South America or 
that basically mean Quetzalcoatl means sacred cattle, which means sacred serpent. His other name is Kulkakan. That is, in, in, in a nutshell, Kulkakan means the sacred serpent at the base of the spine. That is Kundalini. Kundalini, which I have personally seen, is a chemical fire, is a liquid fire that remains dormant at the base of the spine, the root chakra, known as the underworld. That is the fire of hell where most people remain because they never achieve this consciousness. They, they remain in the fires of hell, the underworld. But with this Kundalini energy, when it's awakened, Michael, that is, yeah. Just one uh, quick question, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. But this, uh, this fire, could that be somehow related to the uh, Greek fire that uh, we hear about and that uh, we've never really figured out uh, exactly how the uh, Greeks made that fire? Yeah, when you look at the likes of the the the, uh, the gods of Mount Olympus, which is really symbolic of our God Self, and when the Bible says that the, the, there were giants in them days, that is symbolic. A giant is symbolic of a greater than average awareness, a greater than average uh, consciousness. So there were there were people who who had this inflated awareness, and all all the Greek fire, the Prometheus. All of these things are all to do with fire, all to do with, with consciousness. And once this Kundalini energy of fire is activated, that is that is Quetzalcoatl, that is the Kundalini energy, that is the Serpent of Eden that will raise our awareness to that forbidden place. And that really is what the story is all telling us. And then when, when you look at the likes of uh, myths and legends, uh, pirates, pirates when X marks the spot, again we going back to the optic chasism, which marks where the pineal gland is. We have the symbol of Osiris, again, which is the, the optic chasism, the chamber of light, which is where we get to, to activate the pineal gland, to activate that consciousness. And even the likes of Santa Claus is the holy colostrum, which is what creates consciousness in the mind. And that holy colostrum lives in the North Pole. And the Santa Claus, as in with, with Odin, who gave one eye the well in exchange for knowledge, that is talking about the one eye, the pineal gland, Santa Claus, even King Arthur. When you look at King Arthur, Arthur comes from Artos, which means the bear, and the bear is all to do with innermost thoughts, it's to do with consciousness. This thoughts are the Egyptian god, Teote, thought. It is that higher level of, of thinking. And we have the, the sword, which is a symbol of impenetrable knowledge that is removed by the Chosen, by King Arthur, from Ex, for, uh, Excalibur. Excalibur means Excalus Libertarius, which means liberated from the stone. The stone is the foundation stone, which is the pineal gland. So symbolically, only the chosen can extract the knowledge from the foundation stone, which is the pineal gland, which is the, the Prometheus, the, the, the fire of the gods, the knowledge of the gods given to the elites of the world, the chosen. So that really, in a, in a nutshell, is taking you all around the world all of these different ancient cultures, all of these different mythological characters and symbols, even the, the Anunnaki gods of the Sumerian scrolls, the Enki, Enlil, Anu, Alalu, are talking about genetics, human genetics. Anu is basically uh, the, the atom, the genetics. Enki and Enlil are the positive and negative serpents, which is the Ida Pingala nerves. And we have Alalu, which basically means a waveform. Human genetic, human DNA begins as a wave form, that is a lalo. 
So, again, the Sumerian to- story, when you look at Planet X, you look at Nibiru, that is really talking about Nebheru, which is the Egyptian name for the planet Venus. In Sanskrit, Venus means Shukra, which is basically seminal secretion. It is why Jesus is associated with Venus, the morning star, because Jesus is the sperm, the semen, and the planet Venus in Sanskrit is Shukra, seminal secretion, that is, and the morning star. So we're going all around the world to, to different different places, and the ancient code that they've all showed us is the same code, it is the same esoteric message, which is enlightened consciousness. Now I'm just going to move on to my my favourite part of research. Before, which is, uh, before you get yeah. on to your favourite part, which probably is going to be my favourite part as well, uh, let me ask you a uh, quick question. Um, interesting that you mentioned uh, the morning star in uh, Revelations 22:16. It says, "I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and the morning star." Now, is this verse talking about the duality? of uh, consciousness because we know that uh, Lucifer or Satan has been described as the uh, morning star and uh, now here in Revelations uh, 22 16 and a few other verses uh, Jesus is referred to as the uh, morning star uh, some people may be confused by that can you elaborate on that just a little bit before we uh, jump on to the next section certainly again that there's a misconception that, that Satan the devil is, is the same character as Lucifer. Lucifer is, is the masculine aspect of the planet Venus. You have the, obviously have Venus, who is the goddess of love and whatever, which is the female aspect of that dualistic planet. So Lucifer, the light bearer, uh, Venus basically uh, shines the light of the sun, so therefore it's a false light. That is Lucifer, which is the masculine aspect of Venus, also known, known as the morning star or the evening star. So again, we have connections to Jesus through that seminal secretion. When we look at uh, Satan, that comes from the planet Saturn, which is the Dark Father, which is the Darth Vader, uh, and that is talk, really talking about the the, the battle, the, the George and the Dragon, the, the Apophis, uh, the, the battle of dark and light. Now, Apophis was in in Egypt was the the serpent of darkness. It is where we get the River Thames, Tamas, the Dark River, in in the likes of London. Uh, Apophis it was the dark evil and this is from dark evil that we get the word devil now what it's really talking about when the world is, is gripped by the devil the world is really gripped by this dark evil and the dark evil is darkness which is ignorance so the world is gripped and ruled by ignorance that is really the story of, of the fight of George and the dragon and, and Horus and Ra uh, fighting Apophis the, which is the night time so we have all these these planetary aspects which, which takes us into the heavenly aspect of these biblical characters as well. But in a nutshell, the planet Venus, Shukra, is the seminal secretion, which is all to do with, with the seminal secretion of, of, of Jesus, which is male sperm. That is why Jesus is associated with the planet Venus. And of course, we see the likes of the Pope sometimes wearing robes that are covered in shells. Again, that is that is the same reason. It is that connection to the planet Venus, which is quite important also in relation to uh, consciousness awareness. And, and when we look at the, the, the feminine alignment of, of the heavens, we have Venus and the moon, and then we get into the religion, religion of Islam, which is all to do with the moon and of Venus. So, again, there's lots of, lots of 
things that emanate all back to the very same place, which is human consciousness and how we raise our own Christ consciousness to ascend to a higher awareness. And that really is what all the ancients were telling us in their monuments, in their, their sacred scriptures, in their scrolls, in, in, in their cuneiform tablets, all of these different things. The only thing that ever changed was the name of the gods or the shape of the monuments. The message always remained the same. And again, uh, I'll, I'll just go into a little bit of, of, of Egypt uh, just, just to conclude this lecture, really. But the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians, were giving us the exact same message in their pyramids, in their gods, that all of the other ancients that I've detailed this evening, it's the exact same message that, that they were telling us. So therefore, they all had this connection, or they all had access to the same sacred advanced knowledge, which means that the, despite what the mainstream tells us, there is a, a really intrinsic, deep connection between all of these ancient cultures. So for me, and I think for, for most people, judging by the, the millions of people that go to, to Giza Plateau in, in Egypt, is a very, very sort of a mystique, uh, popular subject. But when you look at mainstream Egyptology programs, when you see many famous scholars that talk about Egypt, they all talk about burials of pharaohs, they all talk about different things, what built and what they represent none of them that, that i've ever heard has ever come close but for me in 2010 the, the the wife and i were discussing where we'd like to go on holiday that year in 2010 and we decided that we wanted to go to egypt it was just a an innate feeling that we needed to go there and we realized or it certainly intuitively felt that it was going to be more than just a vacation, more than just a holiday. We felt that we were going to be doing some, something was going to be happening there. Strangely, probably about a week, 10 days before we went to Egypt, uh, received a, a strange email from a psychic medium from Scotland in the United Kingdom. Now, it was strange because we didn't know who this medium was. She didn't know us. We'd never had contact with her before. But she said that she had an important message for us from her spiritual council. And she described the spiritual council was certain certain individual names, archangels, and different different uh, hierarchy of spiritual beings part of that council. And it basically read, and I, I don't remember the, the the words verbatim, but it basically said that regarding my trip to Egypt, I would be revealing many ancient secrets, uh, and I would be adding them to my own personal toolbox. And she said, in the Sphinx, there is information for you that will be added to that toolbox. And I must, first of all, understand Egypt. I must then learn about her, and then I must teach. And only then can I teach about Egypt once I've understood this sacred land. So that was a strange uh, email just to come out of the blue from, from somebody you'd never meant. But that confirmed that we were going to go there for greater means than just a holiday. Also said that a messenger would find would find me. So I got up, uh, landed in Egypt. I think it was in in the winter in the February 2010, and I went inside the Great Pyramid. I went down the Nile. I went to the Cairo Museum. I went to different places in Egypt, expecting on the basis of this message to have lots and lots of things of uh, apparent things happening. 
in, in relation to a messenger was going to come and find me and, and seemingly nothing happened but at a deeper level it did uh, seven seven years later in the summer of last year in 2017 I was visited by an Egyptian pharaoh I was literally walking down the road uh, minding my own business one summer's evening and all of a sudden I heard this strange whoosh sound and I, 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 I seemed to be inside a bubble but still inside my own reality an eerie silence and as I turned around to my left there was an Egyptian pharaoh in full head dress walking to my left alongside me as I could see him from the left I could also see him straight on and I could also see him as if he was looking through my eyes it was a multi-dimensional view of an Egyptian pharaoh inside this bubble inside my own reality and although nothing was said I think this was the messenger that she was talking about because from that point on I began to have scattered beetles uh, cowboy blue scattered beetles manifesting out of the wall of my house I was seeing uh, this Kundalini energy that I've spoken about so often this evening scurrying away from my left feet and it's a white chemical energy and the reason it's white is because white is the color of balance and balance is all to do with this consciousness so I began to see all these Egyptian things and I would also I was also getting lots and lots of secret sacred information that was literally just being popped inside my head it would give me an idea it would give me a theory it gave me something to research and look into and as a result of that kind of mechanism I was able to build a complete picture of the ancient world of, of ancient Egypt and what they were really telling us. Like the mod like modern day society, when you have the secret brotherhoods, you had the secret mystery schools of Egypt, whereby only the initiates would be attended, which is your high priests, your high priestesses, your pharaohs. It was the chosen people who were chosen to have sacred knowledge of self and sacred knowledge of the universe. And that really is exactly what the pyramids were telling us what the Egyptian gods were telling us they are metaphors for this conscious and this is how let's start with the, the route that I took which is towards the Sphinx now the Sphinx is the guardian of sacred knowledge which as I've said faces east which is illumination which is enlightenment It is the guardian of enlightenment most of the things what you can't see is the sacred geometry that exists in the face of the Sphinx, which is the Vesica Pisces, which contains the golden ratio, which is all to do with the creation. It's, it's the creation of DNA, it is the creation of humanity, it is the creation of many things, is the golden ratio. The, the, uh, within that is the Vesica Pisces. Within the Vesica Pisces, the, as you take the two circles and they interlace, the vessel of the fish, the Yoni, the centre of the Vesica Pisces is a ratio of 153. 153 is extremely relevant. It is the reason that Christ helped the disciples to catch exactly 153 fish. 153 is the number of the master initiate. It is known as the master of the net. And by net, they, they, these people believe that if you can navigate metric design of creation you can navigate through the spiritual world that is the master initiate the master of the net the people who are uninitiated will get caught in the net they will get lost they will not navigate the net they are the uninitiated 
So that is the 153. Now, 153, if you put 1 plus 5 plus 3, that equals 9. 9 is the number of enlightenment. It is the reason that the Great Pyramid is the ninth pyramid of 9. It is enlightenment. It is the master initiate. It is the last part of that initiation. When you look at the move on past the Sphinx and you get to the Great Pyramid, which is the most famous pyramid, the entrance to the Great Pyramid is on the 17th course level. Now, if you add all the numbers, 17, for example, 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5, and so on, all the way up to 17, equals 153. The Grand Gallery inside the Great Pyramid has 153 steps, and it is 153 feet long. It is talking about the Master Initiate. Uh, initiate. 153 is also the 17th triangular number, which gives us the shape of the pyramid, the pyramidus, the fire in the middle. When you look at the height of the Great Pyramid, which is 480.69, and you divide that by 153, you get pi to the nearest thousand. Thousand is the highest level of consciousness. It is why uh, in, the, in the religion of, of, of the Buddhist religion, you have the lotus flower of a thousand petal leaves. It is basically the highest level of consciousness. It is, it is all written inside the Great Pyramid. Moving on to more sort of sacred numbers, the Great Pyramid is the Pyramid of Khufu. In numerology, you have what is known as a growth number. If you add up all the letters of your first name, it gives you a vibrational number. It is a growth number. When, the, when those, if that uh, added up number has the same two digits, for argument's sake, 11, 22, 33, that is a master number. So Khufu is tw number 22. It is a master number. Master numbers appear in the names of those who have an awakened awareness, a, a consciousness. It is the Amun Ra. It is basically Amun means hidden. Ra is the sun. It is the hidden sun. It is the hidden light. It is the inner illumination of the, the human body. So the Great Pyramids was all to do with, with consciousness. It was also there. All the mathematical equations inside the pyramids, such as the golden ratio, pi, the uh, Fibonacci sequence, they are all mathematical frequencies that raise consciousness. You have the likes of uh, the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio, which is 432 hertz. 4 plus 3 plus 2 is 9, enlightenment. You have pi, which is 528 hertz, which is the miracle tone, which actually balances the third dimension. So again, balance, equilibrium. That then brings us to the death mask of King Tutankhamun. The cobra-looking serpent is really the two lateral wings, the two hemispheres of the cerebellum, which is little brain. That deals with equilibrium, that deals with balance. So we have the death mask of Tutankhamun, we have the two serpents at the third eye, which is the Ida and the Pingala nerve, the positive and negative serpent. And if they are balanced in a state of equilibrium as they reach the sixth chakra, that gives you a consciousness fusion. That is an awakening. That is a balance of the masculine and feminine. When you see King Tutankhamun, his death mask is wearing earrings. When males wear earrings, that is a balance of the masculine and the feminine. So again, that is symbolic of that equilibrium. And when you look at the, the badge of the Mini Cooper, that again is talking about mini cerebellum, little brain, 
The black dot is the Aten, which is the Egyptian equivalent of the Hindu Bindi, which marks where the, the third eye is situated, the pineal gland. Then you have the, the wings of the Mini Cooper badge, which are the two hemispheres of the brain. So the Egyptians were really on about consciousness. And we see that in the likes of their gods, such as Teote. Teote comes from thought. A thought is a higher consciousness thinking. It, it attacks you to the higher realms. And sometimes we see Teote sitting on a boat with a baboon. A baboon is, also, is, is not only symbolic of the master initiate, but a baboon is also symbolic of the olfactory tract inside the brain. If you open the brain up and you look at the olfactory tract, it, it's re it resembles the baboon that sits on the soul about the soul with teote. It is the olfactory tract, which is all to do with a, 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 an, an awareness, uh, uh, a nervous system, consciousness and awareness. So again, everything points to a consciousness. And then we move on to the pyramids themselves. Nikola Tesla said that if only you understood the magnificence of three, six and nine, you would have the keys to the universe. It just so happens that there are nine pyramids in three sets of three, three, six, nine, is the harmonic keys to the universe. The number nine, the number three and the number six are other dimensional numbers, which is where Nikola Tesla got his free energy system. And if you look at Nikola Tesla's uh, sort of radio mast, it resembles the terror inside the Great Pyramid, which is really uh, the Shinto. Shinto basically means a pathway to the gods. It is it is inside the Great Pyramid. But talking about the Great Pyramid, what does the Pyramid resemble? What is it telling us? What does it really mean? What is its true purpose? The Great Pyramid is a giant replica of the endocrine system of the human brain. Now, by endocrine... That means secretion within. The endocrine system comprises of three master glands, which is the pineal gland, pituitary gland, and the thalamus. That is the, the endocrine system. Endocrine secretion within, it secretes a brown and white secretion, which is the land of milk and honey of the Bible. So that is the pyramid. It is a giant replica of the endocrine system of the brain. How it works... The Great Pyramid is situated due north. That is because the pineal gland is known as the North Gate. If you put, and I've done this to prove it, a map overlay of the human head facing north over the Great Pyramid, you will see that the King's Chamber and the Queen's Chamber and the Thalamus mark the exact location of the three master glands of the human brain, of the third eye system. That is what the pyramid is really telling us. When you have... So that is basically the consciousness system of the human brain. When we have the subterranean chambers, which are beneath the king's chamber, the queen's chamber, etc., that is representative of the subconscious mind, also known as the subterranean mind, which feeds the conscious mind. So we have the subterranean chambers and we have the, the upper chambers. That is the subconscious and the conscious mind. And the subconscious is the provider, is the feeder, is the good shepherd to the conscious mind. That is what the Great Pyramid is really telling us. It is marking the exact spot, the exact location of the consciousness system within inside the human brain. This is information that is not being spoken about anywhere. This is the true uh, reason for the Great Pyramid, what it is telling us. Not many people know that fact. 
So the, the Egyptians were telling us about this. And when I go on about the pituitary gland, the pineal gland and the thalamus, that is Isis, Osiris and Horus. That is the, the three metaphorical gods of Egypt, which are the three aspects of the master glands of the human brain. That is why we have certain pyramid shafts facing certain star systems. We have the Queen's Chamber, which faces Sirius A. The pituitary gland is actually known as the Star Chamber of Isis. It is basically beaming up portals uh, from the chamber to that star system. We have the King's Chamber that faces towards Orion. Orion is also associated with Osiris, which is the pineal gland. Uh, Osiris sits on the throne in many Egyptian uh, depictions. That is because the pineal gland is the seat of the soul. It is the throne of the It is why Osiris is seen judging the dead, because we see the dead. We see the other realms with the third eye. So we have, on the other side of the pyramid, <clears throat> we have shafts facing towards what is now known as Draco. But in Egyptian times, it would have been the cobra or the serpent. It's basically the, <clears throat> the, the, the vortex portals. Because what the, Egypt, the, the, the pyramids also were, were massive power stations. And they were power stations which are the ancient equivalent of the Large Hadron Collider. Now, the, hard, the, the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland creates subatomic particles. And the collision of subatomic particles create rips and tears in the dimensional curtain, therefore allowing uh, transportation. When you when you watch when you watch Star Wars and you you hear them say "Beam me up, Scotty," the Egyptians were also doing that to certain star systems based on the amplification of this mechanism within the pyramids. The same as they were doing at Stonehenge, the same as they were doing at the, the Mayan pyramids, <clears throat> the pyramids of Bosnia. All these different monuments around the world were opening portals, were opening gateways. And the reason that consciousness is so important is because certain portals require a certain octave, a certain octave level, a certain consciousness in order to pass through the guardians of the gateways. <clears throat> so they were transporting themselves from the pyramids to different star systems. That's right. Uh, when, so one of, them, <coughs> one of yeah. them would have been uh, Pharaoh Onus. Uh, he was said to have traveled uh, to uh, the Sirius star system and uh, back via the uh, Great Pyramid. That's, that's because they were creating electromagnetic, uh, electromagnetic beams, which are charged particles, which is your particle accelerator. And then you go into Stephen Hawking's saying the particle accelerator is the closest thing that we have. What they were doing is they were creating these gateways, creating these uh, these these portals with electromagnetic charged particle beams and they were transmuting themselves to different star systems and vice versa there were things coming in from other star systems into the pyramids and and these these complexes so that that's in, in a nutshell what they were doing i got a so, quick question here for yeah. you michael it's from um, <coughs> excuse me from uh, colorblind colorblind cross stitch and the question is, with all the mentions of chakras and kundalini, will Michael be talking at all about Hinduism as I'm given to understand these concepts come from Hinduism? The, 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 certainly the spiritual concept of the seven chakras, of 
of yoga of, of, of all these kind of things does have a, a an essence in in hinduism but a lot of these other systems were stolen from the ancient egyptians so the ancient egyptians were the bedrock for all of these other systems so you have the the, the knowledge of ancient egypt where you have many of the the greek philosophers they were initiates of the mystery schools of egypt for many decades before they took that knowledge to greece you had many members of, of the secret kabbalah which leads us to the torah and things like that which is which is oral tradition which and, and bear in mind that the bible is the division of the hebrew scriptures they took that knowledge of egypt and they took it into the the kabbalah and, and places like that and when you look at the likes of the kabbalah cube that gives us the christian cross because when you you unfold the kabbalah cube it gives us uh, six squares and the number six is the number that brings divine knowledge into the material so that is a christian cross the cube is a a 2d of a hexagon that uh, that we find on uh, at the north pole of saturn and also the uh, eye on the uh, south pole of saturn is that somehow related to all of this it's all sacred geometry everything is created by mathematics and sacred geometry when you look at the south pole of the planet jupiter you see the Fibonacci sequence. All of these, everything in creation is a mathematical creation. So for me, the, the creator of all of this, this universe and the universes beyond it, is a pure mathematical mind. It is a an advanced mathematician because everything follows a mathematical code, whether it be uh, mathematical numbers or sacred geometry. It all follows a sacred geometric pattern. So it is all related. So the, the the human body you know when, when you, for argument's sake when you look at how the planets of the solar system orbit the sun on a micro level that is the exact same way as the electrons of our atoms circle the nucleus of the atom it is a replica a smaller replica of the solar system and That's so on above, so below. exactly so ev- everything if you imagine the, the the russian doll effect everything is a microcosm of the macrocosm Everything is a smaller version of the large returning to a singularity, which is to realize that duality is really uh, an effect of a cause, and the cause is a trinity. So the highest level of awareness is to realize non-duality. That is the highest level of awareness, because people think that there's a positive, there's a negative, there's a black, there's a white, there's a rich, poor, uh, there's, there's, there's hot, there's cold. That is a an effect of a cause. It is not a true reality. So everything is reflected in 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 geometry. Might this have anything to do with the uh, the whole becomes the one and the one becomes the whole? In essence, the uh, uh, the uh, source energy uh, becomes one, which would be you. And then when you return, the one becomes the whole. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the the whole is the circle which is infinity, uh, in, in infinite spirit, that if you imagine infinite spirit becomes duality, which then becomes the two circles, which becomes the Vesica Pisces. So again, we have this geometric makeup of creation. So the one, the circle, the, the 360 degree, you know, if you take, again, vortex mathematics, take the numbers one to nine, three, six and nine are separate from the other numbers. Number nine, rules the other numbers and if you add them all up 
it gives you the number, excluding number nine, it gives you number 36. Number nine also rules the zero. So we have the 36 plus the zero, which is 360, which is the circle. So again, we're looking at number nine, we're looking at enlightenment, we're looking at vortex mathematics, we're looking at the pyramids, the infinite spirit, we're talking about sacred geometry. So the whole, the one, the singularity, initially becomes the vesica Pisces, which is the uh, introduction of duality, and it goes from there. And, and when you look at the likes of the, the development of the fetus, it is the 64 tetrahedron grid. The 64 tetrahedron grid is basically 64 tetrahedrons, 64 pyramids. If you put a sphere around each of those tetrahedrons, it gives you the flower of life. The flower of life is the geometric of all, all the geometry in the universe is the flower of life, which is contained within a circle. You can divide to infinity within a circle. And when you look at the temple of Osiris in Egypt, you will see the circle of life in a circle burnt into the rock. Burning into a rock is technology we don't have today, but the Egyptians in the Temple of Osiris burnt the flower of life into the of Osiris. We, again, we're talking about geometric creation, which takes us back to the golden ratio. When you, when you look at, for argument's sake, the Sidonian city on planet Mars, where it has five Sardi pyramids, Number five is realized man. When you look at the pentagram, the pentagram which has five sides, it is realized man. The inner degrees of the pentag uh, pentagram is 108 degrees. If you transfer that to, to frequency, it is 108 hertz, which is the frequency of total knowing. It is the ether, it is that total awareness. There are five sided pyramids on planet Mars. When you look at the face on Mars and you look at its, its location on a map, and its longitude and latitude grid reference, it actually has encrypted within it the location of Stonehenge in Wiltshire in the UK. When you look at the Sidonian city on Mars, the same applies and it gives you the location of the pyramids of Egypt. When you start getting double pi and you start looking at uh, within the, the, in the pyramids, they give you the grid vector of the Sidonian city on planet Mars. Stonehenge tells you where the face of Mars is. There's this interplanetary correlation between these ancient civilizations that are giving you a grid reference to find different monuments on different planets. All right. Now, so, there's, a, there's an interesting point uh, I, I'd like to make. Uh, when you were talking about the uh, solar system earlier, um, I can't remember exactly where I saw this, but there's a uh, scientist out there who had discovered that each planet is roughly the same distance apart uh, from one another. And uh, when we get to the Earth and then beyond, the distances become vaster and vaster, and those distances remain between each of these planets. Now, in your opinion, what do you think... Uh, that's trying to tell us. Uh, it sounds like, like you know, it's an artificial universe as to where each planet is put and there's an equal distance between them. Well, that's called the, the stands of, uh, the, the nodes of standing waves. And what happens is when you, when you introduce uh, sound into the universe, stars and planets go uh, a certain distance away from each other. You can see that with the Chaladni uh, plates on, on YouTube where they introduce sound and, and you get sand particles that, that form 
and different parts of the plate in different sacred geometric shapes. The planets are a certain distance away from each other because of the field of relativity. They are reliant upon each other. And again, it's all a, a geometric creation. The Hindus, and, and one of the listeners mentioned the Hindus earlier, believe that the primordial sound that created the universe was the chant Om, which is O-M, which basically is, is the Amiga, the great Om. Now, Om has a wavelength of 7.23 centimetres. That is the exact same distance between the human chakras, 7.23 centimetres. So we have this, this Om chant, this wavelength, that they believe created the universe, which has the same wavelength as the distance away from the human chakras. There is some kind of mathematics there. When you look at the, the root word sun, the, 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 the root of the word sun, and, the, and it doesn't matter how you spell sun, whether you spell it S-O-N or S-U-N, it comes from the German son, S-O-O, uh, sorry, S-O-N-E. It's basically the same word that was, uh, that was divided to create the illusion that it means two separate things. So sun and sun is the same word. But the root word of sun is sound. So again, we have sound, we have arm, we have the primordial sound that creates the universe, 7.23 centimetres, which is the distance between human chakras, micro, macro, again, during sound and distances. I didn't know that. Wow, amazing. Well, thank you. Learned something today. Learned a lot today, actually. <laughs> Well, that, 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 that's always good. So, so basically, what the, the reason that I've called it the ancient code is because when you start to see the same things reappearing time and time again, when you start to spot the same message in every single culture that you investigate, that you look into, bear in mind that my background is in 17 years of investigation, when you start to see the same numbers the same names, the same meanings, the same words, appearing time and time again in all of these different cultures. It's time to start sitting up and, and taking notice because there's a message there. And that message, regardless of whether it's the Bible, whether it's mythological characters like King Arthur, like Santa Claus, like Odin, even when you go to Walt Disney and Frozen and the likes of Elsa, Elsa means she knows. She lives on the north the North Mountain, the Pineal Gland, she knows, knowledge. When you look at the likes of children's TV, such as Pinocchio, Pinocchio means pine eye, which is pineal, the pineal gland. The Blue Fairy is the haze of Sirius A, which is Isis. You have all of these references, you know, we, we have Pinocchio wanting to become a boy, that is symbolic of esoteric initiation. We have when we have the, the, the children's nursery rhyme of the Hokey Kalki, the last words are arm stretch, knees bend, rah, rah, rah. That is sun worship. That is bowing down to the sun, the illumination of the sky. We have all of these children, even Pepper Pig. Pepper gives us a pep, which basically, uh, again, the, the, the Apophis, the, the, the serpent of darkness, but in some dynasties of Egypt, a pep was seen as a boar or a pig. The pig, which is a pep. And we have his friend, George. That takes us back to George and the dragon, which is the sun, fighting Apophis, the serpent of the night that takes the sun every evening. But the sun comes back victorious every morning to rise on the horizon. Horus risen. Horus is the sun. 
and it walks the sky in 12 steps during the day, the 12 hours of daylight, which is the Luke Skywalker, which is the opposer of the Darth Vader, the Dark, the Dark Father, the Saturn, the Son of Saturn. So we have all of these these internal battles, but they're all stemming back to the same place, which is that inner Armageddon. And the inner Armageddon is the battle between our light and our dark, between our unconscious and between our conscious mind. It is the crossing of the Red Sea. It is the exodus from the lower mind to the higher mind. It is the energy osmosis. And that osmosis is where the higher mind influencing the lower mind it is the Cain and Abel it, it, it is all of these characters that are at odds with each other it is really talking about the inner self and that really is the Gnostic principle and that is the Egyptian principle that is the, the principle of Stonehenge that is the principle of Atlantis and Lemuria that is the principle of the Quran the the, the Torah uh, the Bible that is the the, the, the principle of, of, of every single ancient culture that I've looked into you know, the Mayans, where they have nine nine steps to their pyramids, which are the nine stages of consciousness. Mayan, you know, it means God, God power. It is the God state, the Egyptian God state, the God mind. And all of these ancient cultures were always telling us the same thing. That Those ancient cultures are prominent in the modern day today. When you, when you look at, you know, the likes of the Houses of Parliament in London, Big Ben. It comes from Ben Bennett, which is the Ben Ben bird, which is which is the phoenix from the flames. When you look at the River Thames, it was formerly called the River Isis. It is now called the River Thames, which is Tamas, which is Dark River, which is Apophis, the serpent of the River Nile, but it's the of the River Thames. You know, which is which crosses Hyde Park, which is Hydra, which is another name for Apophis. When we look at the, the seats of the House of Commons and the House of Lords, it has the Hoshan as a motif inside the seats. The Hoshan is basically the breastplate of the Serpent Priests of Osiris, known as the Jedi. And then we go back to Star Wars. So there's all of these things. When you go out across the pond to America, and you have the White House, which is comes from Memphis, which is White Walls. When you have the, the Oval Office, which is the, the Cosmic Egg, which is the Thalamus, the, the Enlightenment. When you have... The, the likes of the Statue of Liberty, uh, uh, in, in, you know, that is Isis that, fights, that faces Paris. Paris comes from Parisi, which were a Celtic group who worshipped Isis and named the city of Paris after and, themselves. And again, it's uh, facing, facing east. In fact, yeah, and, it, and, and, and Liberty also faces Paris. You know, when you look at the signing of the, the Declaration of Independence, Sirius A is in a binary with our solar sun. And on the 4th of July, Sirius is the furthest away from the sun. So the founding fathers of many who wish to commemorate Sirius, the blazing star, the Masonic mother sun, Mars sun, Mason, they wanted to commemorate uh, this this distance of Sirius. So it was the 4th of July, and it was signed in Philadelphia. So why was that? Well, Philae is where the Temple of Isis is in Egypt. Delphia is Delphos means the womb. It is the goddess of the womb, which is Isis, the goddess of motherhood, the dove. So Also the we, uh, oracle of uh, uh, Delphi, I believe it is, in, uh, in, in the Greek. Uh, I forgot the name of the oracle of Delphos, I think, or Delphi. Yeah, well, when you look at where Delphi, uh, Delphos, Delphi is, uh, to, to all the other sacred places in Greece, it actually forms the, the triangle of the golden section. 
So again, we're talking about sacred geometry and the knowledge of, of geometry. And when you look at the likes of, of Crete, Crete comes from the word creation. So the golden ratio is all to do with the creation of humanity and the shape of human beings and, and genetics and, and many things in the universe, including the human face uh, and things like that. So again, there's, there's, there's esoteric references to the same thing. All, all these roads are leading to the same place. When you even look at the, the American hot dog, it, 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 came, it comes from the dog days where they, they would sacrifice the dog to appease the heat in July and August. That is the hot dog. So even all, all, the, all these American cultures, you know, when, when we look at the, the gate of Ishtar, Ishtar is basically the Mesopotamian equivalent of Isis. And the gate of Ishtar is where the red carpet looks to one and is. The red carpet is symbolic of this royal bloodline and many of the, the presidents of, of America and many of the, the royalty of Europe and Great Britain are related to the pharaohs of Egypt. Even even myself, I am I'm a, a descendant of, of Irish Celtic kings and Irish Celtic kings are related to the pharaohs of Egypt. So so am I. Uh, so we have we have this, this, this bloodline that is, is shown in our face. We have all of these esoteric references when you see an automobile, when you see architecture of a building, the architecture of a church, you know, when you have the, the pointed archways, which is the, the lunette arch, lunar, the moon, the church is the moon because it reflects the light of the sun, which is the heavenly Christ. You know, you have the, the lunette arch. When you when you look at the womb, which again, the, the, the womb is actually to the, the diameters and the proportions of the golden ratio, the golden section, but the womb is the Holy Grail, the, the of God, the, the sacred chalice, that is the Holy Grail. And when you look at the transformation zone, which is between the endo and the ecto cervix, known as the transformation zone, those who drink from the chalice are said to transform. The, the, the red wine of the chalice is menstrual blood that contains lunar energies. So it, it's all, all of these things, which, whichever culture that you go into, esoterically, it all comes back to the same place. And that place can be summed up in either one of a couple of words, which is consciousness or enlightened consciousness, because that's what all the ancients were telling us, hidden secretly within their monuments and their sacred scriptures. So that really, uh, again, it goes much deeper. It goes on a lot longer. It is a lot, it's a lot lengthier. If it was to go into any more greater detail, we would literally be sitting here all evening. I don't mind. Uh, but, yeah, but, but in a nutshell, that is really taking you from one part of the world to the other part of the world, incorpor incorporating other parts of the world in between those two points, and it is all to do with that one or those two words. They were telling us about our own inner Christ, our own inner Christ consciousness through certain practices uh, through certain rituals, through certain mechanisms, we are able to raise our bio-energies, which is a Kundalini awakening. Some people get that rapidly, which is not a very good experience. Some people get it gradually, which then opens them up to realities beyond this reality. As human beings, we see less than 1% of the frequency spectrum. What people need to ask themselves is what exists in the 99 plus percent that we cannot see ordinarily because that is what that is where everything is happening yeah. we've, we've five senses we've seven colors we have a very very limited bandwidth once we open up our third eye 
the Vatica, which is where we get the word Vatican, which is why they have pine cones all over Vatican City, because the pine cone is where we get the word pineal, pineal gland, the third eye, the master gland. Once we open up the Vatica, the third eye, the Vatican, we then get introduced to a wider reality. This is the wider reality that the ruling classes, the ruling elites, and they call themselves the elite because elite means God's chosen ones, and they believe themselves to be the rightful possessors of this kind of information. Once we start opening up our senses, once we start opening ourselves up to this wider reality, we are no longer controllable. We are no longer their slaves. We no longer have a signature, and signature means mark of a sheep. And we no longer have a surname, because a surname comes from slave name. We are basically under the control of these ruling elites. And they are able to do that because they have advanced knowledge over us. And when people start learning the things that I've discussed this evening, which I, well, I admit myself goes a lot deeper, but I don't have time to, to go in, in any more depth. Once you start realising this and once you start opening yourself up to these wider realities, you then become the ruler of your own reality. You then become the ruler of your own destiny. And the more people that start to rule this reality, the better that reality will be. So again, if, if there are any questions, I'll be more than happy to answer them. Uh, before I do that or whatever, I would, I'd like to say thank you very much for everyone's time this evening. These things are meaningless if, if, if there's no one there to listen. So thank you very much for, for giving your time up to, to, to listen to me. And if there are any questions, then I'll be more than happy to, to answer them. I have a uh, quick question. Uh, just a few minutes ago, you were talking about the uh, abyss. Now, I was wondering if the abyss and the Egyptian abyss bull are somehow related. Because in the story of the abyss bull, um, you know, the bull would run around, it would destroy fields, it would destroy temples and homes and such. But the common people, they weren't allowed to, uh, to harm the bull. Uh, the bull was able to do whatever it wanted. So, in your... Uh, research and your studies, the Apis, as you had mentioned, uh, and the story of the Apis bull, how are they related? Well, again, there are symbolic meanings to the bull, you know, the Alder Baron, uh, the sky, the, the, the bullseye. The, the, the bullseye is another reference to the third eye, to, to the pineal gland. That is why when you see the likes of Atlantis, which is meant to be a concentric circle, and you see the likes of Stonehenge, which is basically a replica of Plato's vision of Atlantis, because that is symbolic of the bullseye, and the bullseye is that awareness. And one of one of many meanings for the word sin is when archers used to miss the bullseye, and sin means falling short of completedness. It also has esoteric meanings about falling short of completedness, which is basically blocking that Christ consciousness from ever reaching your bullseye, your your higher nature. So the bull, in, in these kind of terms, is, is often symbolic of the awakening of that Christ consciousness, of the awakening of that esoteric information. And of course, the bull is also symbolic as well in what is known as medical astrology, the bull, Taurus, can also mean the lower mind. So when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and he got the Ten Commandments and all the, all the people in the desert were carving Taurus, carving the bull, uh, sculptures. 
that is symbolic that people were operating in the lower mind, their lower aspect. And again, so we have a lot of these esoteric meanings. So so these things tend to be multi multifaceted, but the the ball can can either be the the, the bullseye is the pineal gland, but the ball can always be also be symbolic of the lower mind as well. But as I was saying, with this energy osmosis, with this parting of the water, which again has relevance to the Mouses story, this energy osmosis is where the higher mind influences the lower mind. And what we need to do is we need to cross the Red Sea. We need to get from the lower mind to the higher mind, to the left brain, to the right brain. That is really the crossing of the Red Sea. That is the exodus that, that Moses talks about. That is the, the, that is the, the transit to that higher awareness. Right. Um, thank you very much, Michael. Uh, doesn't look like there's any questions in the uh, chat feed, so I'd like to uh, thank you for your time, uh, taking uh, the last hour and a half or so to uh, help enlighten us and uh, to uh, peek further uh, into ourselves and uh, what's really possible um, out there for for us. Now, thank you again. It's it, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I, I do believe that, that, that knowledge is for everyone and if people know, if people understand, I think they have a duty to tell and, and to teach as, as, as much as possible. So again, thank you for everyone listening and, and thank you uh, to you for the platform to do that.